I always get a kick out of um, errors, mostly when there are other people's errors, not mine. Um, but uh, every once in a while, someone makes a really, really good one. Um, have you seen the, uh, the different things that say, you had one job? You had one job. <laughs> Welcome to Skahol. Or, or how about this one? Turn. Wait. Okay. Uh, another one? I think they might have had a little trouble figuring out how to put that billboard up. I like this one a lot. <laughs> Usually the cheese goes in the sandwich. One more. And this is by far my favorite. <laughs> Usually the, uh, the lid is the part that goes against the tank and the seat. Yeah. Anyhow, you had one job. And when I read this section in Genesis chapter 3, I'm reminded that really for Adam and Eve, there was one job. I mean, there were other things that they did, don't get me wrong. Um, and, uh, um, you know, like so many other things, there, there are parts and pieces to this that, uh, that, that come around it. But really, there was one commandment. Don't eat from the tree. All these other ones, eat from them. This one. Don't eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis chapter 2, God spoke to Adam and said, you know, you can eat from every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And so that's the one thing. And guess what? They ate. Uh, and the consequences came. And that's really what we read, a big part of what we read in, in our Old Testament lesson today, those consequences. It talks about pain and childbirth, conflict between husband and wife, uh, work becomes toil, and it becomes, it comes with a feeling of futility. And maybe that's something that you can resonate with that you go to work over and over again and get nowhere. And it's like life becomes this constant spinning of the wheels. And death enters the world. You know, at the very end of the reading, uh, did you notice that, uh, that Adam and Eve, uh, they got garments they had sewn fig, tree, fig leaves together to cover themselves when they realized that they were naked. But when they left the garden, God gave them skins to wear. Now, some people, some people have said, oh, look, that means they were spirit beings before and God gave them skin. What was Adam made of? Dust, right? You know, Eve was made out of? Adam's rib, which I got to say, when you start talking about materials used, women were made out of something a lot better than guys. All right. So, but, 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 but check this out. Dirt and dust is something that is physical. Ribs are physical. Adam and Eve had bodies. It wasn't, oh, look, they have skin now. He gave them skins to wear. How do you get an animal's skin to wear it? 
In general, you have to kill it, don't you? And for my money, I think we just read about the first death in the history of the world. And with all of the bad stuff that's going on in this reading, there's also, there's also something amazing. There's a promise. A promise that's made to Adam and Eve, and it's in the midst of the curse given to the serpent. He says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this has been understood as the first promise of a savior. Just moments after the first sin, we find God seeking out his people. Where are you? Have you eaten from the tree? Do you really think he doesn't know? Parents, have you ever done this? Did you put away the dishes? You did not. But you're giving them the opportunity to come clean? That's what I see there. And he says, yeah, you goof this up. It's a mess. But I'm going to send one who's going to set it right. You've you've aligned yourself with the serpent, but I'm going to break that relationship by sending a son who's going to bruise his head, even though it will be at the bruising of his heel. Now, I, I do need to mention something about this whole bruising thing, because... Even though I looked at uh, the the King James Version and the New American Standard Version, and obviously this is the one we read, the English Standard Version, somewhere along the line, we got a translation called the New International Version. And it says, he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's the same word in Hebrew. So I think that this is probably a more authentic translation of of what's going on there. But this word bruise, it carries a sense of crushing and of grinding. And I find that to be a powerful image for, for what Jesus does. Because eventually the offspring does come and he has one job. To overcome the impact of that moment to overcome the devil's work in this world and to die in our place. And it's really only for the Son of God that dying can be like a bruise to the heel. But in his death, Satan's head is utterly crushed. And in the resurrection, death is defeated for us. We have entered into the season of Lent. And as Bob said, Lent, Lent just means spring. It's, it's not some kind of fancy theological term. Um, but during the season of Lent, we walk with Jesus as he does his one job. And we're retelling the events that lead up to that one job. Now, there are other facets of that job. 
other things that happen along that way that all bring that to a head. But that's where we're heading, to Calvary, to the cross. And on the way, he's going to be tempted. That's what we read today. There will be conflict. There will be doubt and danger. But in every instance, he will not turn away from his one job. He he will bring light to the darkness, hope to the hopeless, sight to the blind, and life to the dead. Grinding away at the devil's dominion and power until he finally crushes the serpent's head. And so today, we find Jesus facing temptation. Temptation for us. He was tempted to turn away from his one job, which would have been devastating for us. When Adam and Eve sinned, it meant that all who came after them would be trapped in sin. And not just their sin. We all have plenty of our own. I I hear that sometimes. It's not fair. It's not fair. Adam and Eve sinned and, and now I'm in trouble. Yeah, you know what else is not fair? Jesus died for you. It's probably a good thing that God's not fair. But Jesus faced the temptation. He stood in the similar place and his obedience meant salvation for all who would believe in him. He overcame by believing God's word and clinging to that word. And that's what we do as we walk through Lent. And it's what we do as we face temptation. You know, a lot of times we think about temptation as kind of appealing to our lesser selves. You know, to, to doing things that are, are bad, things that are naughty. But if you look at how the devil tempted Adam and Eve, he tempted them with greatness. And in the same way, he tempts Jesus with greatness to trade his heavenly mission for for the earthly comfort and power that we are often tempted with ourselves. And I find it telling that the last temptation is bow down and worship me and you can have everything. You can have it all. Isn't that kind of the message that the world tells us now? That if you're willing to sacrifice, if you're willing to go after it, you can have it all. The devil hasn't changed. What he tries to do is to take Jesus away and to make us think that we can take God's place. And that's why Jesus shows us over and over again, hold on to the word. It is written. It is written that Christ has died. 
Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. And that's the hope that we cling to. Amen.